is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Diversify. Don't just put all your eggs in one export market. Think about what other export markets you could do well at, and EDC will help you figure that out. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. On today's show, we're speaking to Sydney Marr. Sydney Marr is a multi-passionate entrepreneur and is the owner of Sydney Marr and Sydney Marr Wellness. With a flair for reinvention, Sydney believes that lessons and skills teach you to be your best multifaceted self. When a tragic accident ended her career as a national level competitive figure skater and a serious case of mono threatened Sydney's health and immune system, Sydney pushed through these challenges and leveraged them to be the best she could be and build two businesses built on her passions. Sydney took her love for sewing her own figure skating costumes and attended fashion school where she received many design and merchandising awards. This recognition led her to launch her own couture line, Sydney Mar Fashion. Sydney sold this line in high-end stores across North America, and later, Sydney launched her collections with QVC across eight countries for 15 years. Knowing the importance of health and wellness and the role it plays in creating our best lives, Sydney turned her attention to her family ancestry and history in natural medicine, herbalism, and the art of healing to develop her own all-natural vitamins and supplements line, Sydney Mar Wellness. 
Sydney is an expert in product development in the fashion industry and has expanded these skills to help others build and scale their businesses. Sydney serves her wellness clients with healthy, happy choices and her product development clients by supporting them to bring their ideas to life. Welcome to the show, Sydney. Thank you so much, Kamal. I'm so excited to be here and to share some of the stories and hopefully inspire all of those excited, passionate entrepreneurs on their journey. Incredible. And your origin story is one that is so interesting and so compelling. Can you tell us a little bit about your transition from figure skating? What led to you having to stop that that career path and then get into fashion? Well, as a child, I was traveling to Toronto for a family reunion and we went skating at City Hall. And that's an outdoor rink in the middle of Toronto. It's quite fabulous. And I just fell in love with skating. And even to this day, I think that walking is a strange and unnatural act. I'm much happier on the ice. And I went on to become, uh, when we came back to Vancouver, I went on to have some great coaches and I was taught by a former ice capades skater. And I happened to be so talented. It was such a natural talent for me that she passed me on to the competitive coach in the club. And that was really when my skating career took off. So I was really lucky when I was 18 and I was on my way to the international competitions that my coach at the time, his name was Brian Power, taught us not how to be competitive figure skaters, but really taught us how to accomplish things, how to make sure that we got up, that we did our uh, all of the different things, we learned the different techniques and apply them. Because when my skating accident happened and literally my legs were taken out from under me, I was able to apply those life lessons to what was next, to my new metier, to a career in fashion. You were very young when this accident happened. Can you share a little bit about the mindset you had about having to pick yourself up and build and create your own resilience and choose something next after, after your passion was taken from you? Yes, I was 18 years old at the time, and uh, as I uh, told you, I was uh, sewing my skating costumes because it wasn't just a technical uh, a technical performance, it was the performance as well as the way it looked, and so I was very involved in making sure that the performance was very complete in the way you know, Cirque du Soleil might have some beautiful uh, technical things and their outfits all together. So... What happened when I had my skating accident, because I had my sciatic nerve was cut by two thirds, I literally knew that the recovery period was going to be a year or a year and a half. I was the the first micronerve surgery in Canada. My doctor put together uh, a team of doctors from the US to come to Canada and do the first micronerve surgery in Canada. And my, I did survive and I was able to walk again. And during that time in processing, oh, I'm going to be a skater, I'm going back to the ice. It, that was my mantra. Get up every, money, every morning, go to uh, the rink or go to workout and just do what I can. And one day, one of the young skaters said to me, he said, Sid, get over it. You're never going to compete again. Yeah. And it shocked. Yeah. It, it 
totally like all of because one should be optimistic. One should look for, you know, like, of course, I'm going back. Uh, but it never occurred to me that I was never going to compete again. And I think all of my friends and family were just too frightened to tell me that. And they didn't want to discourage me either. Mm. It's really interesting how we can sometimes get like the signs or the signals from left field, uh, the most unexpected place. So what was it like to get that information? And then how did you move forward from there? Was it a quick process? Was it, what was that like? It was, it was, I, I was angry. And I'm sure that as anybody else out there who has something abruptly taken away from them, even though perhaps it was a, a, a divine thing um, <laughs> that it comes from the divine, we don't accept it. And but when that happened, I thought I was I was so shocked. It's like someone slapping me in the face. But I had already started going back to school because you tell an overactive 18 year old to sit there and do nothing. I mean, even though I had, you know, a damaged leg. I, you know, my parents had agreed that I should go back to school and I was in a fashion school and I loved it. And so I thought, okay, I guess this is what's next. That's beautiful where the things start lining up for you to realize what the right next step is. And this skill set that you had of sewing did turn into your first business. Can you take us through the journey of what it was like to build Sydney Mar Fashion and what it was like to start selling with QVC? Yes, uh, it was quite a bit of fun. I as I guess because I was a figure skater, I wasn't afraid or maybe when you face near death experiences you become unafraid because it's like what else can happen, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> so I started creating my own fashions and showing them to people. And, and I thought, well, in, in my head, it was like, okay, I'll just make my collections. And, and my dad said, okay, we built a s small studio in our family basement. I mean, I helped him paint and build subfloors and a little workspace and put up racks and then started creating the collection and I would jump in my car and take the collection to stores that I thought would like it and some of my friends at the show mart had shown me how how to set up the wholesale and retail prices a little booklet and I would go in there with my little purchase order notepad you know the kind that you can get staples <laughs> and got a, got a yep. stamp made and put Sydney Mart Inc and the address and my phone number and would just sit there with them and I could see in their faces what they liked, what they loved, what they hated, because you can see it in people's faces. And it really taught me about where I was going and what I should do. And I was lucky, I guess, um, right from the get-go, Kamal, I was able to sell to Holt Renfrew, to The Bay, to, to Eaton's, and I was featured in the Young Designers uh, collection. So I was also shown on some top magazines and invited to Rideau Hall and I did the Claire All Awards. So I, I was shocked actually at how well it went so quickly. But I took all of my life lessons. It's not like I had to go back. It wasn't like someone said, oh, you have to start at six years old again when you started skating. I had 12 years of discipline and and learning that I'm not being criticized. It's constructive criticism, you know? So when someone said, no, no, you have to do it again, or, or the, the caliber or the high level of professionalism that you want to bring to whatever you're working on, 
it, it came through and, and people could see that I was going to deliver what I promised and I would run around and get the sewers and get those beautiful fabric fabrics made. I had Sonda Nellis make me some wonderful chenille yarns. I had West Coast Woolen Mills making me beautiful fabrics as well. And I learned all about Bedford cords and Menzi plaids and so fun. <laughs> You became a real expert in this industry. And I'd love to dive in a little bit more on this conversation of like switching functions, switching industries. What advice do you have for listeners who may need to take the leap into another industry area, um, perhaps are going from being in corporate to entrepreneurship, shifting but following their gut? What advice do you have for those folks? Well, there's a few different types of advice that I would give. First of all, uh, you are, I do believe that we all have more skills than we give ourselves credit for. Instance, sometimes when I think about or I'm speaking with, let's say I'm speaking with a, a gal who, you know, has given her life to stay at home and to uh, raise her children. And then let's say that she's faced with a divorce and that she's going to have to go out there and do her thing and, you know, learn how to support herself, perhaps. But just running a household, there's a lot of organizational skills. And I think that there are a lot of people when they change career or they change circumstances, they don't realize, they don't take inventory of what they're already good at. And I think this is really important in terms of putting value on, yourself, on themselves and how they can apply what they already have to what's next. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that we, that undervalue when you were saying earlier that you had 12 years of experience developed from your skating career, when we're taking a leap into a new industry, it's so easy for us to forget that, hey, I'm really good at a number of things that I can bring forward into this new chapter of my life. Exactly. And I think it's almost like you need to take inventory and say, I'm good at this, this and this. And these were my successes. And then write the little story. Like if you were writing it on the left hand side of the page of what you've done, and then on the right hand side of the page, write down how it applies to what's next. Like, for instance, um, my mother was a bookkeeper accountant, and she loved uh, Let's Agenda. And if you're familiar with them, they are divided up into 15 minute increments. You know, you have like six o'clock, six fifteen, six thirty, etc. And that's really how I ended up organizing my life because in skating, my life was organized in fifteen minute increments. So, you know, when you talk about um, practical skills or how to apply yourself or how to take breaks and to focus yourself, maybe the Pomodoro effect or or, um, you know, the 80-20 and things like that. I already had that under my belt. No one had to tell me how to organize myself because I could show up on schedule and my, my body has an internal clock every 15 minutes. <laughs> mm, I love that. I love because sometimes we can take for granted what we innately or what we have built up in terms of our own internal routines, functions, and all of that. We can get stuck in all that we aren't. But if we take time to make this inventory of all that we are, we are going to be so much better suited to whatever the next challenge is. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I would love to talk a little bit. I, you started the fashion line when you were 18, 19 years old. And how did you decide how to price things? And what is your ethos around pricing? Um, because it ended up being a couture line and then obviously being sold on QVC. How did you start developing your pricing model? Well, I 
think I was pretty lucky. My parents were entrepreneurial. Um, my father was um, a businessman. He had uh, two brokerages, one in insurance and one in real estate. And my mother was a bookkeeper, um, an accountant. She brought books up to trial balance and then would hand them off. So when we sat down and looked at you know, got out the good old green columnar pads, which, you know, as, as I guess an old fashioned person, I don't do everything on Excel spreadsheets for sure. I, when I first start something, I really keep it simple. I get out that columnar pad and look at these are my raw costs. And then what are the costs of an agent? What are the costs of the land of duty paid uh, as opposed to an FOB price? And then look at what the market will bear and then look at the competition because there is what we call um, perceived value because sometimes something is going to cost more, but the perceived value is less. Some, sometimes things are going to cost less, but the perceived value is more. So I think it's really important to see how people will receive your product because this is really important information to share with your um, your circle like hi I just made this what would you pay for this mm. what does it look like if it were in Holt Renfrew what would what would it look like if it were in Walmart and what if I were to be a a teacher of young design students, I would ask them to do what I call the white t-shirt the white t-shirt project, which is here's a white t-shirt project, and I'm going to get you to design it for five different categories. One, the white t-shirt for Walmart, for the Missy Ladies, the white t-shirt for um, let's say Laura Shops that is a mid-price. For a different category, I'm going to ask you to do the white t-shirt for Holt Renfrew. And then what kind of white t-shirt is Lady Gaga going to wear? Mm. Different fabric, different feel, different cut, make, and trim. You see how completely different they would look? But guess what? They're all white t-shirts. That's so fascinating. And so true because when I think of like the fruit of the loom at Walmart, but then I'm walking into, you know, Nordstrom and I'm looking at the Madewell t-shirts and they're insanely priced differently, but they're white t-shirts. But I do, that's so fascinating and what a great example to give the audience. So thank you for that. There came a point where it was time for you to transition from fashion to your next business. And something you shared with me a little bit in our conversation before we hit record was Near-death experiences tend to help you shift into new businesses. Can you share a little bit about this next transition? And I say it lightheartedly, but it's because it's something that I've also experienced myself. Um, but I know that that it was probably not a lighthearted experience as you were going through it. No, and I'm sure you uh, probably felt the same, Kamal. I, I think that I have been really lucky, first of all, uh, because skating was a passion and I was just, nothing was going to make me change direction. And unless I was literally almost killed, I wasn't going to. And, and then I was lucky enough to be um, talented to be able to segue into fashion and because of my skating background, because of my family history in wellness, in terms of my grandfather, uh, my Chinese grandfather, uh, the one who settled in Toronto, he was a medical herbalist before he came to Canada. 
And so my father had a great interest in uh, natural remedies and, and also my doctors were very much in the mindset of, you know, please learn about vitamins and supplements you needed as an elite athlete. And so this was part of my how to be uh, how to skate at a high caliber, how to have the optimal energy that I needed to jump higher, to have more, um, shall we say, um, just energy to get through my four-minute programs and really perform at a top level. So what happened was, as I was saying, I had really fallen in love with fashion and was at uh, I'm going to say pretty much the top of my career. I had some pretty extraordinary experiences. At that point in time, I was selling my Sydney Mar fashions in eight countries around the world through the QVC system. And I had this lovely fashion design studio here in Montreal. There were town cars picking me up and driving me here and flying me there. And, and then I got sick. And that was a real call to action for me was like, whoa, it's like, you know how, what, what's that cartoon that we all love where the cartoon, uh, I think is it uh, Wile E. Coyote who hits the wall? Mm. Okay, so he's, he's, he's going full speed ahead and smashes into that wall and then he slides down. I literally went into the hospital and didn't come out until two months later. Wow. And that was with a mono diagnosis. Yes. They didn't realize at first that it was mono. Uh, they couldn't figure out why I was basically a health, looking healthy, but that why my body wasn't responding to anything, why I was, you know, on the second day that, you know, I, I checked in day one. And on the next morning when my friend came to the hospital to check on me, I was already on life support and, you know, kind of spiraling down and they had to do an operation to clear out uh, the infection that my body could not stop. And when, you know, it just took so long to, to get better again, I, I guess I didn't realize how sick I was because it, it literally opened up QBC Italia from my hospital bed. They wouldn't let me off my contract and I didn't want to confess to them that I couldn't come to Italy for my show because I was stuck in the hospital. Wow. That was pretty crazy. So, you know, as, as my TV friends would say, you can't make this stuff up. So for me, it was a call to action. I decided that, you know, I would complete as to the best of my ability, my contracts and start winding down the studio. And because of my insane uh, illness and inflammation in my body, I lost almost all of my hair and I was still contracted to do the live TV shows and my naturopath felt sorry for me and created the formula for my fabulous hair, skin and nails vitamin supplement and it started my hair, my hair started growing back like crazy. I And it was like, I, oh my goodness, like I have to make this available. And I went to see him and the manufacturer and I said, you guys are going to be my new best friend. <laughs> That's remarkable. And and what a story of creating out of necessity and building what you need. And can you share a little bit about your productization and how you built the line from there? And also, I'm very grateful that your health did come back. And thank you for sharing that story. Yes, thank you. And, and I think that 
you know, if I were to think about or to say, what are my legacies? What's my mission? What's my purpose today? My, I have, my purpose is twofold. One, I know there's a lot of fabulous people out there, uh, entrepreneurs and just people around the world who have dreams that they want to bring to life. And if they feel well and they, um, they're looking well, they are going to be on top of their game. They're going to be able to go out the door and do all of the things and be resourceful and be mindful for whatever dreams they want to bring to life. And that's that's really my my purpose behind creating Sydney Mar Wellness is to make available these high end vitamins and supplements that are a natural way of improving your health and beauty. Mm. And can you share a little bit about so say. Tell me some of the wonderful things that could be outcomes from some of the supplements that you've put together. Because as an elite athlete, as someone who came back from such a harrowing illness, um, and as someone who has the herbalism in your in your bloodline, I'm really curious to know, like, what are the, some of the benefits that I could be looking for when I'm looking at your product lines? Well, it's funny because I feel that most people would come to me first because they're losing their beauty or there's something has happened, like maybe their skin is breaking out. Why is my hair falling out? They don't come to me first because they want to be healthy. Mm. It, it's Something is happening that's triggering, uh, oh, I have something to fix. Exactly. Like maybe they're living life too fast or what have you. So for instance, I have my fabulous hair, skin and nails, which is the vitamin that makes your hair, skin and your nails absolutely fabulous. I mean, I'm 60 going on 61 uh, in August and I, I am my own brand ambassador for being vibrant and radiant and certainly most people believe I'm between my 30s and no one would even think that I'm in my 50s. I have radiant skin. So that's something someone could look forward to. I also have a vitamin called love your liver. Your liver loves you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we, we live in toxic environments, whether or not it's Windex or something that we're using as a cleansing, um, uh, something in our home, whether or not it's the hair color, whether or not it's just the smoke and, and you know, the, there's all sorts of toxins in our environment. Maybe we've taken things that have been prepared to make us healthy, like antibiotics and, and, or maybe we just have been out partying too much and we, you know, want to enjoy with our friends cocktail hour, but our lover, uh, our liver needs support. And if you don't, support your liver, it starts to fail. And when it starts to fail, that means that your hormones go all wonky, your hair goes bad, your and hormones are very delicate. So that's what Love Your Liver is for. It, it's um, a wonderful uh, vitamin and supplement. I have an adrenal support. So many of us are working hard and wanting to make sure that not only are we fabulous and we're running running around, we have careers, we have families, and and always too many things to do. And I think people should do one thing less, not one thing more. But in the adrenal support, because to face helping people with burnout or potential burnout, this is a beautiful uh, vitamin. And it is meant to give you a boost of energy within 30 minutes. It also uh, works with your cycle so that you know, in a 24 hour cycle, you have like your, um, uh, you're awake and your sleeping time so that you have energy. And if you have enough energy, you're not necessary. You're going to eat 
food for nourishment, not because you need the coffee and the cookie for a boost of energy and then your blood sugar is going to go up and then your blood sugar is going to go down because, you know, your pancreas is going to get all upset and send in a whole bunch of extra insulin, right? So, so there's a lot of really great products. I have 12, you know, something for repairing your body on a cellular level. I have something that actually regenerates bone tissue, which is called uh, strong bones and something for focus, which is focus right now. It has uh, Bacopa in it, which is for any uh, one who really wants to really have that beautiful focus and mindset and maybe they suffer from what's been categorized as ADD. So mm-hmm. lots of good stuff. Fantastic. And, and thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I'm curious to know, what would you say your wellness ethos is uh, as an entrepreneur and, and that our audience can listen to and kind of learn from, especially in this culture that is a hustle culture, um, that is uh, where we link our productivity to our self-worth you've had to really embody wellness and now have built a company around wellness. So tell us about your wellness ethos. I think that self-care is not selfish. That's the first thing. I find a lot of entrepreneurs are like, oh, they say I'm not going to go work out. Oh, I'm not drinking water. Or I'm going to, if I drink, (laughs) do you know how many times I have clients saying, oh, I don't want to drink as much water as you want us to drink um, because then I'm going to have to stop and go to the bathroom too often. And I actually... Writing a blog about how many times is normal to pee. That is, it's fascinating because I know I've heard people tell me that themselves. And of course, I notice when I have to go to the bathroom or when I'm drinking lots of water, but I also feel that much better. So it's balancing those two things. Yes, it's true. So my ethos would really be take care of yourself properly first. Make sure that you're sleeping properly. Make sure that you're drinking, you know, two to three liters of water a day. Sounds like a lot, but guess what? Your brains are going to be good. Your bones are going to be good. Your joints, you're going to have, uh, for ladies who are going into menopause, it's going to be like air conditioning for their body. They're going to be able to eliminate. Their skin is going to be more fabulous. They're just endless benefits. I'm sure that I've written over 10 blogs just on water alone. I think that if I could get people, you know, to get some sunshine and to drink water, I, I my job is done. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and those are some of the most simple things that we can often overlook because sometimes simplicity isn't how the human mind wants our solutions to be. Thank you for sharing your wellness ethos and your journey so far. And you shared with me also in the pre-interview that there's another business in the realm of your world right now. And it came up sort of serendipitously when you ramped down the fashion business, ramped up the wellness business. Can you tell us a little bit about your consulting side of things. Yes, that is my Sydney Marr business where I am a product development strategist. And what happened was, uh, as I wound down my fashion business and put it aside, I guess because I wasn't doing my own collections anymore, people were not afraid to ask me, oh, Sid, could you help me with this? How do I cost this? How do I make a sample? How, 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 how? (laughs) (laughs) So I, you know, I do have a a long career, my career in fashion, uh, and not just in fashion. I mean, I did everything from fashion to jewelry to homewares. Of course, the focus was fashion, but it's because my mom 
really was, she didn't allow me to say I can't, it was only I can. So if it was something that I needed to figure out, it was what I did. And so that's what has happened is I, I ended up building a website to be the container for my consulting business to help people build businesses that are scalable, help them to do everything from figuring out the sample, is the brand right, is it feasible, is it scalable, how to uh, do the logistics and the production, and it is so much fun. I now have clients in about seven countries around the world. We were talking about it a little earlier, there was Startup Canada uh, that I attended to um, pop in to talk about the joys of exporting. There's Startup Fest going on over here in Montreal, and there's so many opportunities for entrepreneurs to find their journey through this. I'm going to say the the entrepreneurial journey is littered with landmines. And there's so many ways that we can help them, guide them, help keep them out of potholes in a way that, you know, be, because there's so many great gifts that these entrepreneurs are trying to bring alive. Absolutely. And we are nothing if not... Uh without our communities. And I think that there is very, when you talked about your your parents and how you guys built the studio in your basement and all of these things, community is literally what uplifts us in our businesses. And so um, paying it forward is such a huge part of that when we have experience and when we can teach the next generation up and coming how they can do this and be well at the same time. So thank you for for what you do. Um, My last question for all of my guests on the show, um, you talked about legacy earlier, and I'm so grateful that you did because that's also something I like to bring into uh, the end here. So thank you for sharing with us your your legacy. Um, And also, I'd love to know what advice you have for our listeners for them to thrive in their business and their lives. Well, I I would like to talk about um, uh, the whole idea of what are we, why are we doing what we do? Because I think that you know there there is inspiration as you know when we have uh, as entrepreneurs we see a problem we want to fix it we come up with a solution and and what does that mean and how are you going to bring it to market? And you know when we're sometimes switching from corporate into you know the entrepreneurial journey, so. What I'd like to advise is to really, uh, I would like to encourage women to be more realistic about their budgets because there's a lot of discussion around bootstrapping and bringing their dreams to life. And yet I find that there is shame around, oh, well, now I need to be careful with my budget. Oh, you know, and, and not wanting to change things when they when learning that maybe that not the mascara that they were buying when they had the corporate, when they were working in corporate and they had a, a set paycheck coming in, that maybe they need to look at how long is this project going to take to launch? How long is it going to take for me to uh, get an income from it? What can I do? Because I think it's really important. I think I think that I'm, I, I want to table it because people, it's, it's almost like a hidden shame, Kamal. And it's, it's like, if I can't go and buy my Starbucks coffee, then I'm no one anymore. Well, if you're buying your Starbucks coffee because you need the free Wi-Fi, okay, I get that. But when you start making intentional decisions about, I'm going to bootstrap this because what if I have to carry my company or carry myself and my family and my responsibilities at home 
to make sure that I have a roof over my head, that I have food on the table a few more months, that I'm going to make intentional choices. It's not a point of shame that I can't buy my Starbucks coffee. It is a point of pride and intentional choice that I am going to trim it up and make it neat and tidy so that I have that little slush fund so that I can bring my dream to life. Mm. And I think it's so important to root our advice in current realities. And I, that's probably, probably have a lot of women nodding their heads in our audience uh, right now. So thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much, Sydney, for your time today. You have a wealth of experience and brilliance that I'm so grateful you were able to share with our audience. And thank you so much for all that you do. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space, to learn to better integrate work, wellness, and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive.